This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Today I want to talk to you about grace, what grace is, what it does in our lives, and why I believe that we serve a God who has an abundant supply of grace for your life. The title of my message today is the God of abundant grace, the God of so much more. When you think about grace, I don't know about you, but what typically comes to mind, maybe some of you that come from a more like religious or faith background, grace was essentially a word that you prayed before you ate your food. Anybody come from a home where you would say grace, right? And so everyone would get around the table, maybe at Thanksgiving or for the holidays or maybe, you know, weekly. And someone would be called upon, you know, a family member would be called upon to say grace. And grace was essentially, thank you, God, for this food. You know, we're we're so thankful for all of your blessings in our life. Let's eat. Um, Maybe for you, that was the extent of your experience and understanding of grace. Maybe you grew up within a faith tradition where you heard the song Amazing Grace, played over and over and over to remind you how much of a wretch you were before God grabbed a hold of you. And maybe for you, grace was a simply, uh, or or is simply a a pardon or a forgiveness for your mistakes. But can I tell you something today? That grace is so much more than all of that. It's so much more. I want to give you some biblical definitions today. Grace as we define it, or as the Bible defines it, is the unearned, undeserved favor of God for people who actually really deserve judgment and wrath instead. It's the supernatural gift and the outpouring of God's love and blessing to be received by what? Faith. This year we're pressing into faith. We're talking a lot about faith. But here's what Paul says to the Ephesians in chapter two, verses eight through nine. He says it this way, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. I want you to underline that or embolden that in your smartphones. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ultimately, grace is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it like we were singing about in that song today. We can't buy his love. We can't buy his favor. We can't earn it. We we don't deserve it. It is a free gift of God for all who receive it by faith. Paul later in his letter to Titus, one of his disciples said this about grace in Titus chapter two, verses 11 through 14. He said this, for the grace of God has appeared. It's shown up on the scene, bringing salvation for all people, say for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. How many of you would say, that's my heart right now, Pastor Jason. I want to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in the age where people are doing quite the opposite. And he goes on to say in verse 13 that we are waiting for this blessed hope that God has promised us in Christ Jesus because we know that The first coming tells the story and the promise of his second coming, this hope for what is to come. And he says that we're waiting for it, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I want to give you Pastor Jason's definition, summarizing all that. Here it is. Grace is the transformative power of God working in and through our lives through the presence of his spirit to make us more like Jesus. 
Let me say it again for those of you in the far back. Grace is the transformative power of God working in and through our lives, through the presence of his spirit to make us look more like Jesus. Along those lines, pastor and author Tim Keller once said this about grace. He said, God sees us as we are. He accepts us as we are, but by his grace, here's the important part, he does not leave us as we are. You see, some of you heard the message of the gospel that said, come as you are, and you stayed that way. But the real message of the gospel, the real message and power of grace for your life is to come as you are and trust that you're not going to stay as you are, that God's going to transform your life to look more and more like his. In fact, that is the goal of God for our lives, that our lives would be conformed. That's the word that the Bible uses, to look more like the image of the Son. Jesus, the firstborn among the dead, the resurrected one, the one who did life perfectly, the perfect example of human flourishing in the earth. Come on, somebody. That's what he wants for us, to transform our lives. And I believe that the dream of God for your life and for my life and for those of you watching online, for your life or listening to this message is not to leave you to yourself and your own devices. It's for you to fulfill every single purpose that God has for your life and for the purpose for which he created you and has put you on this planet. And we see that, perfect, that purpose perfectly modeled for us in the life of Jesus. Because in Christ Jesus, we get to experience what being the beloved of the Father is really all about. And can I tell you today, it's not about your good works, lest you boast. It's about his good grace upon your life. We get to see what it looks like to please his heart and to carry his desires. As a church this year, we want to be a people in pursuit of the heart of God. We want to say, God, we want what you want. We want our hearts to break for the things that break your hearts, God. We want your will to be done on earth in Salt Lake City as it is in heaven. And we see the purpose of what a life looks like when it's unshackled and unburdened by sin. A life that's not riddled with, with guilt or condemnation or shame but that's been made fully alive and free, amen? Amen. And friends, that's what God wants for each and every one of us today and throughout this year. He, he wants you and I to be made fully alive and free in him. Turn to somebody and say, I wanna be fully alive and free. I wanna be fully alive and free this year. How many of you have a dream of what your life could look like if you were fully alive and free from debt? How many of you have a dream of what your life could look like if you were fully alive and free from shame or condemnation from your past or from the mistakes you made or from the time you kicked that cat? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Sorry to all you cat lovers today. For the time you kicked that dog. Come on, it's still haunting your dreams. Pluto shows up in your dreams. And he's like, why did you kick me? Right? And you're just living in this haunted life. And not to trivialize our sin or our past or the mistakes we make, but come on, how many of you guys know that God's plan for our life is so much bigger than those things? His plan is to help us become alive and free. I wonder if today I'm talking to anybody who wants to be made fully alive and free in Christ Jesus, which is why I believe, this pastor believes, this church believes, our team believes that grace is not just pardon, it's presence. Grace is not just pardon, it's not just his pardon, it's his presence. Grace is the empowering presence of his person, Jesus, the hope of glory, living inside of you by faith. Jesus didn't die to make bad men good, he died to make dead men live. He died to put his spirit inside of you so that you could become his favorite dwelling place. Not the temple down the street, not this chapel that we're sitting in today, but you as a person full of the life of God, full of the presence of God, full of his spirit. That's the goal that he has for each and every one of us. 
The way to becoming more fully alive and the way to becoming more fully free is not signing up for another program. It's not signing up for more philanthropy. It's not even just trying to do more good. It's found in a person named Jesus who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man may come to the Father or experience who God is except through me. I'm here to tell you today and anybody watching online that there's no other way to experience who God is except through Jesus. In fact, Jesus radically made the claim that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you see the heart of God on display for humanity. If you've seen Jesus, you see the dream of God for what your life could look like in mine. Fully alive, fully free. Jesus also would go on to say things like, apart from me, you can do nothing. Part of the problem with our works-based righteousness, where we think that we become the righteousness of God by doing more, is that it blinds us to the fact that apart from Jesus, we actually can't do anything. And the invitation from him is to come, abide in me, come, remain in me, come, receive from me, come. Those of you who are hungry and thirsty and you will be filled by me. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am living water. And he gives us reasons to anchor our hope and to tether our lives to him. And I don't know about you, but in this year, especially in 2024, as a pastor in this house, we're believing God for big things, but those things are only gonna happen if we tether our hope and our faith to Jesus Christ. If we anchor our lives in him, I wonder if anybody wants that for your life this year. So the question remains, Pastor Jay, how do I live a more transformed life this year? How do I experience more of God? It's simple. You come to Jesus. You do what Jesus said to do. You lay down the rights to yourself. You pick up your cross and you die. You die to all of your selfish wants and desires and needs. You lay down those things and you discover his life instead. You come to Jesus. You spend more time focusing on what Jesus wants for your life in 2024 than what you want. What if in 2024 we grabbed a hold of that and we became a people who endeavored to be the kinds of people who put God first, who really seek first his kingdom and righteousness? Could you imagine what our lives would look like at the end of this year? Here's some good news. I actually believe God wants that to happen in your life and in my life and that he wants to supply you with the grace to do so. Today we're talking about Grace, And as I mentioned, grace is not just his pardon for your past life or mistakes. His grace is his ongoing, empowering presence in your life. And the trouble is sometimes we get so fixated on what grace is that we don't even stop to consider what grace does. What does grace do? Grace actually empowers you to align your life with what the truth of God's word demands of it. Listen to this. If God's word tells us to throw off every sin that so easily ensnares us and to run the race before us, it's the grace of God that gives us both the desire and the power to do so. If God's word calls us to obey every one of his commands, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And if God's word tells us to do that and to love our neighbors as ourselves, it's his grace that gives us the power and the ability to do so. The apostle Paul writing to a church full of very broken, messed up, and needy people just like you and me had this to say about grace in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace, say all grace, all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, 
at all times. I want to say it again. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Did you notice the word all? Did you notice that God said, I don't just give you a little bit of grace for some things, some of the time. When you're on your best day, looking your best. No, in all things, at all times, all grace given to us so that we may abound in every good work. First, he says that God is able, meaning that there's nothing that can prohibit God from doing this in your life. I'm very thankful for that today. How many might have the audacity to believe God and trust him that he has the ability to do this in your life, to supply you with all grace, to make you abound in every good work? Today, we're talking about a God that is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or think is possible, the God of so much more. And this God, Paul tells us, is able to do this, to make all grace abound to us at all times. Time out, Pastor Jay. I thought I needed more education. I thought I needed more money. I thought I needed more influencers and friends on Facebook. I thought I needed more power. Come on. As it turns out, the only thing you need more of is him. Can I say it again? The only thing you need more of is the Lord because this God is able to make all grace abound to you. And he also wants this grace to abound in you so that you can produce good works. The Greek word Paul uses here for abound is an interesting word. I want to throw it up there. It's the word perisuo in the Greek, which means to exceed beyond measure, to increase in abundance, to overflow. We like that word, overflow. As it turns out, our God is the God who overflows with abundance. He's the God of exceeding abundant grace. And he wants you and I to experience his abundance so that we can also abound in every good work. As a church this year, we want to abound in some things. We want to abound in increase in some things. And we, we talked about some of them last week, and I even mentioned them at the start of my message. We want to abound in the glorious. We want to abound in the eternal. We want to abound in the miraculous. We want to abound in the impossible. We want to be able to look at those mountains in our life and in the life of our city and the life of our neighbors and friends and family who are far from God, who don't know this hope and that don't have this salvation yet and say to those mountains, be cast into the sea. To say to those mountains, you must be moved, amen. We wanna abound in these things and we believe it's gonna happen because the same God who is able is also willing. Can I say it again? The same God who is able to do these things is also willing meaning he wants to do these things in your life. Now, maybe you come from a religious background or tradition where you were told that, that God doesn't care about you, that he's distant or far removed from you, that he established the world, set it in motion, and kind of just let things happen. Can I tell you that's not the God of the Bible? The God of Scripture is the God who steps into our mess, who establishes his tabernacle in the midst of the people's camp. Come on, who dwells amongst us, who says, I want to be your king, the king of your heart. I want to dwell and rule within your life. I want to establish my presence in your home, in your marriage, in your relationships. I want to do life with you. I want to be a part of this picture with you. And that's what we believe, that God wants to step into every situation so that we can abound with all grace to produce great works. That's what we're aiming for this year, to abound, to increase, to overflow. Paul, speaking to the power of grace in our lives, had this to say in Romans chapter 5, verses 20 through 21. It says this, now the law, the Mosaic law, came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the... More. 
Come on, grace abounded all the more. Amen. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I think the most beautiful thing about grace is that just when we think we've seen the end of it or reached the limits of it, there's more. Anybody remember the old infomercials from the 90s? Anybody like grow up with like the old infomercials like ShamWow and like you'd, you'd watch late night television or maybe that late night show and then you'd kind of like drift off to sleep and you'd wake up in the middle of the night on the couch and there was this infomercial. And what was the catchphrase of like every infomercial in the 90s and early 2000s? But wait, there's more. For only five payments of $19.99, we'll send you this free gift, right? But wait, there's more. And in the same way, I feel like God wants to say that to his church. Come on, there's more. But wait, there's more. Because as we see it here, the grace of God abounds where sin increases. And that goes against our religious mindset. We're like, wait, God, how could that happen? How could the grace of God increase where sin increases? I'll tell you how in just a moment. Paul goes on to say this about grace in Romans chapter six, verses one through four. He says this, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Wait a second. What are you saying here, Paul? He, say, he goes on to qualify. How can we who died to sin, still live in it. So here's the cool part. He doesn't make an excuse for you and I to go on living a life of sin, living a life that misses the mark or that transgresses against what God wants for our life and for human flourishing. He says, do you not know that you have died to sin? You've put that to death, and how did you do so? You've done so by being baptized, verse three, into Christ Jesus and into his death. When we celebrate baptism, we're celebrating a death. And that death is a death to your old life and your sin nature, and it's a celebration of your resurrection life in him. He goes on to say this, we were buried therefore with him into death through baptism. So when we go down into the water, when we baptize people down in the water, symbolically we're saying we're putting you and your old Adamic and Eve nature to death, and we're burying you in Christ's death. And when we bring people up out of the water, we're saying we're helping you be raised to new life in him. And he says this, we were buried therefore with him into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Our response to grace abounding to us and in us is not to go on living recklessly. And some of you need to hear that. Because grace is not a license to sin. It's not a license to do whatever the heck you want. Because how many of you guys know that sin still has consequences? How many of you guys know that I could go 120 miles per hour in the midst of a white squall storm and mess up some folk? Right? I could break the law and hurt some people. And how many of you guys know I'm going to go to jail? Pat, you're going to hear about Pastor Jason on the news. <laughs> and by the way, there were way too many people driving way too fast in the midst of that storm. I watched like seven people crash between leaving this building on Tuesday night and getting home. I'm like, people slow down. You don't have to be in such a hurry. It's okay. But how many know that grace is not a license to go on sinning? It's not a license to do whatever we want. It's not a license to live recklessly. 
A lot of people, unfortunately, treat grace like a cover-up for sin. But it's not a cover-up. As I've said, it's, it's the empowering presence of a person living in you through faith. That's why Paul says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? The truth is, grace comes to put to death sin in our lives and to expiate it, which means to remove it. Because grace is a stain remover, not a stain concealer. I'll say it again, because the grace of God is a stain remover, not a stain concealer. Anybody have pets? I have three. I have two beautiful Alaskan Malamutes, these giant wolf dogs that are amazing. They're the sweetest dogs. If you get to know them, they're incredibly sweet. And I have an English bulldog who thinks that she's a Malamute. And she likes to boss them around. And she gets into fights with them all the time. But I have three female dogs, and nobody told me that female dogs like to pee a lot. And so for the first about year or so of our bringing these dogs into our home, they peed everywhere. We thought, oh, wow, you know, like, let's get some female dogs because the boys are the ones that pee everywhere. Not so with Malamutes. They love to mark their territory. And so the first year was our attempt to battle literally dealing with all of the pee and the urine. And sorry to offend anybody today. And we would buy these, these little stain removers, these little sprays. Anybody have a pet? You have to have like, a, okay, you know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like I'm crazy, you guys. And we'd spray it, spray it, spray it. We'd be like, all right, I think we got it. And then like a day later, we'd walk by and be like, uh-oh, something smells. I guess that didn't quite remove the stain. It only concealed it. And for some of you, that's the way that you treat the grace of God. You spray a little on your sin, hoping that it covers things up. But deep down, you haven't got to the source or the root or the issue. How many of you guys know that for us, we'd probably have to pull up the carpet, put down new pads, right? Get to the source, the root of the issue. And by the grace of God, we have <laughs> for the most part. Grace is the empowering presence of God, not just to cover up your sin, but to remove it to expiate it. When Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross to deal with your sin, not to cover it up, not to make excuses for it. Oh, it's okay. No, but to fully remove it. He is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's not the lamb of God who covers up the sins of the world, just tries to conceal it, just tries to hide it. But what's the invitation to us as believers in him? Not to hide our sin, but to confess it. That's why he says in 1 John, if you would confess your sins one to another, you would be healed. Many of us are walking around with addictions and with closet pet stains that we think nobody knows about. And every now and then the door opens up and people get a whiff and they're like, whoa, something's going on in there. And for many of us, we think, oh, we gotta, we gotta look good. We gotta dress it up. We gotta conceal. We gotta conceal, don't feel. We got to hide. We got to do shameless frozen reference. We got to conceal, not feel. We got to hide. We got to cover up. And in Christ Jesus, the invitation is to bring your skeletons out of the closet and let them dance at the party. 
What party, Pastor Jason? The party of the forgiven, the party of the undone, the party of those who have abandoned their life to Christ, who've laid down the rights to themselves and said, God, I am yours. And when we do that, here's the good news. His grace washes away every stain. His blood washes away every blemish. The grace of God is not a stain concealer, it's a stain remover. How many would say to me today, Pastor Jason, I'm thankful that Jesus has washed away my sins, that Jesus has taken away my sins as far as the east is from the west, that they have been cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered no more. For some of you, you come into this place on Sunday morning and you've got all of these things in your mind and in your head and God says, I've already dealt with it. I've already taken care of it on the cross. I've already shed my son's blood. I don't even remember it anymore. So what are you fussing about? What are you worried about? What are you burdened by? Shame? Condemnation? Can I tell you there's freedom for those things in Jesus? Paul says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus and the presence of Jesus is his grace. What's the result? And why would God go through great lengths to do this for us. Ultimately, we know because he loves us. You are infinitely and uniquely and unconditionally loved by a father in heaven who saw every one of your mistakes, every one of your shortcomings, every one of your transgressions, every one of your iniquities, and said, I choose to love you anyways. The gift of God that leads to eternal life is not just about getting your ticket punched to heaven. Come on, it's about heaven coming down. It's about you experiencing the eternal life here and now. It's about you walking in freedom so that you don't have to go back to the computer and wonder if you're gonna click on sites that you shouldn't be on. So that you wonder if you're gonna turn on TV and wonder if you're gonna go down a pipeline that leads you to go out and give yourself away. And so many people right now are looking for love in all the wrong places when love and grace and forgiveness and acceptance can only be found in the heart of a Father God who designed you to experience this abounding, abundant life we call grace. Grace is not pardon, my friends, it's presence. And this year as a church, we're, we're endeavoring to be the kind of people that say, we want more of your presence, God. And here's the cool part. He says, well, I want more of my presence in you and for you too. And then you come into agreement and alignment with that and watch what God will do. Watch how God will begin to establish new rhythms and new habits and new things in your life that begin to bring you into this place of newness of life. That's what Paul says here. Romans 6.4 tells us that all of these things, that our baptism into his death and our being raised to new life in Christ Jesus by faith happens that we might walk in newness of life. Is that what the text says? Newness of life. How many of this year would say, Pastor Jason, more than just a New Year's routine and a new fitness plan, I want some new resurrection life operating in my life. Uh, sign me up for that. <laughs> and that's what we're, we're endeavoring to do over these 21 days is say, God, we want to walk in newness of life. And the invitation isn't just for 21 days. Come on, it's for the rest of our lives to say we've got the risen Christ living in us that we've made room for him in our hearts. We've, we've set a place for him, a resting place where he can come and dwell. That's the passion of this church. It's what we believe God is calling us to. I believe that this is where the church is stuck today, between misunderstanding this wondrous gift that God has given us, misapplying it, misconstruing it, or not even understanding it to begin with. For some of you, 
You grew up in a home where you were taught to do. And you just do more, and just do more, and become more, and all these things, and achieve, and then you'll be loved and accepted. Can I tell you, that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. God accepts you and loves you first, so that then your life will begin to do and produce every good work. God has some things for us this year, church, that I, I know he wants us to abound in. How's it gonna happen? By his grace. By his grace, abounding in us. And that's what we want for you this year. And that's what we wanna invite you to. The start of this series, to begin to release faith and to begin to trust God for more. Because we believe that God is the God of so much more. He's the God of, of infinitely more, measurably more than we can ask or imagine. And he wants to do those things in and through our lives. If that's your heart today, and that's where you're at, I want to pray for you. And as we do, we're actually, as a means of response today, going to do something a little different. We're going to actually go to God and worship again. And we're going to ask him to speak to things in our lives that he wants to give us grace to overcome. We're going to do essentially what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says. Let's put it up on the screen. It says this. It invites us to then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How many would say today, Pastor Jason, that's me. I've got some needs in my life right now. I have some things that I'm looking at. I have some situations that I'm facing that look, look really dire and really difficult and really tough. Or maybe you're at a place where you feel like God's brought you to a crossroads. Maybe you've never given your heart or life fully to Jesus. Maybe for you today, that's your next step. Maybe for some of you, it's to say, Jesus, I need your grace to overcome the situations and the problems and the things that are in front of me. In all things, I want us to ask ourselves this question as we enter back into worship and I'll invite our team to come. God, where do you want your grace, your empowering presence to be abounding in my life right now? Jesus, where do you want your resurrection life to abound in me right now in January, on January 14th, I think, 2020, 24? God, where do you want this to abound in my marriage? Where do you want your grace to abound in my finances? God, where do you want your grace to abound in my parenting? Where do you want your grace to abound in my work life and my relationships? Where, God, do you want your empowering presence to abound? And then as we go to him today in worship and as we sing this last song, which I believe really speaks to the heart of this message today, let's believe God for more together, amen? Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.